Come on, guys, we can do better than that. Thank you so much, Eric. Wow. Good morning. Great things happen when we choose to serve God with every part of our being. That young man is not worried about Valentine's is coming. He is worried about God's glory. And you see how it is radiating through him. I don't want to take much time. Um, I've been asked by Pastor KT to invite the speakers for this session. We are doing Relationship Detox Season 2. And uh, we were laid a firm foundation last Sunday. For those who are not there, we have a podcast. Please go through it, even as you catch up with this one. So without taking much time, I want to welcome uh, this amazing couple. They are the power couple. And uh, they've mentored many, including me and my wife. And they still continue to mentor. And so help me welcome Pastor Tony and Faith Amisi. Morning. Morning. Great. Welcome to our home. So, I think Faith, you need to introduce yourself first, then I'll go next. Okay. Our series this month is on uh, relationship what? Detox. Relationship detox, isn't it? So, we are not going to introduce ourselves in the usual way, our careers, our fame, our fortune. We'll introduce ourselves to you based on our relationships. Okay? So, my name is Faith. Okay? I am a daughter. I am a daughter of Peter and Mary Kilewe. I honor them this morning because of what they've done and contributed to who I am today. I see many daughters in the house. I am a sister. Okay? In our family, we have four siblings. So I am among the siblings. So a sister to a brother and a sister to a sister. My elder brother went to be with the Lord. Um, and of the two who are remaining, they have made me a heart. So I have three nephews. Are we getting somewhere? Are you identifying yourself in your relationships? Great. And then, okay, let's continue. So I'm an aunt, okay? I have three nephews. We got that one? And then when I grew up, I got married. I got married to this lovely man. We've been married for 19 years. So that's another relationship. I became a wife. Okay. In being a wife, I became a mom. I have three children. One is 17, 14, and a six-year-old. 
Those are my relationships. That's who I am today and how I come to you. I'm also a girlfriend. I have many girlfriends here. Many of them are here by love, not by force, because they know they need to come and support me today. Okay? I am a mentor, a Titus II woman, teaching the younger women to love the Lord and to be keepers of their home. Someone's are lifting their hands over there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, by marriage, he added to my relationships. He added to me nieces and nephews. He will tell you how many that he added to me. And then also, he made me a grandma. So I'm also a grandmother. That's who I come. Those are my relationships. I'm a shushu. I love that. All right. Wow. I am Tony. I'll also uh, introduce myself in terms of the relationships. Uh, I am a son. I come from a family of seven. I am the last born. <laughs> the David in the house. Yeah? My parents went to be with the Lord, so did our firstborn uh, some years back. And we thank God for our parents, uh, for how they brought us up. And uh, I, I, I know and I'm confident that I'll see them in heaven because they trusted in the Lord. Uh, so I'm confident that I will see them again. And they're smiling down on me right now. Uh, now, out of uh, the family that I come from, I am an uncle, a proud uncle of eight nieces and six nephews. So they all call me uncle. And out of the nieces, they've made me a grandfather of three. You know, actually, when we were doing this, I realized I am actually a grandpa. So I qualify to be Wahenga Walisema. <laughs> Faith said, married 19 years, and we have uh, three children. By marriage, uh, because of her siblings, I have three nephews, so I'm an uncle on that end. I'm also a friend. I have mentors uh, that I touch base with regularly. I have peers that we touch base with regularly, people who are in school with, campus, all that. And I have people that I also mentor. Yeah? We joined ICC way back when we were still in campus. We were actually among the people who were in front runners when ICC used to meet at Ufungamano House. Some of you have no clue that ICC started there. So Ufungamano House next to Nairobi University, that's where we started. And she's the one who introduced me to ICC. Yeah. By the way, she's the one who actually also introduced me to the Lord. And it bore fruit. Yes, it bore fruit. That's a story for another day. And a story for another day, like Gerald put it. We've been serving in ministry ever since... Um, we left campus. We, the first place we started serving was uh, developing healthy relationships. We started off with the Bishop Kitoto, training us, and at that time we were wondering where will we go with this. And little did we know that we'd be involved in uh, premarital counseling, and then later we got into family ministry up to where we are today. So we thank God for that journey. All right? Now, the reason why we took time to mention those relationships is because I know during Valentine, we are all dreamy-eyed thinking of boy-girl relationships. But the reality is that 
you are who you are because of where you have come from. And whatever happened in those relationships contributes to who you are today. All right? So when we're talking about relationship detox, it's not just about boy-girl, but it's about the sum total of who we are because those are the things that have shaped us to be who we are today. And talking about those relationships, there's a story from Spain about a father and a son who became estranged. So they were fighting. And the son ran away from home. And his father set out to find him. The father searched for months on end, but to no avail. So as a last ditch effort, the father took out a full page advert in a Madrid newspaper. And this is what the advert read. Dear Paco, meet me in the front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. And he signed off, your father. The next Saturday, 800 men named Paco showed up. Each one of them was looking for love and forgiveness from their fathers. And that's what we want to talk about today. Restoring relationships. Restoring relationships. Now this story just illustrates to us, you know, that yearning that we have in our soul to attach, to connect, to love, and to be loved. Basically, we want to relate. It's good to have a loving relationship with God. That is the first and foremost, the, the most important relationship that we are meant to have. And I love the song that Eric just performed right now because it talks about that yearning to be with this loving God. But the second most important relationship that God actually requires of us is relationship with other people. And I don't know whether you've noticed, but when you read your Bible, it's all about relationships. Relationship with God and relationship with other people. That's what scripture is all about. That need that we have for harmonious relationships comes from the fact that we are all made in the image and likeness of a God who is also in relationship. Because we talk about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is in relationship, he's in community. And in fact, after all that God created, and then he looked down, the one thing that he said is not good is for man not to be alone. And this is a statement he made before the fall of man. He actually looked and said, no, I need to give this person a companion. And it is at that point that God initiated the most intimate human relationship that there is. And that is the relationship of marriage. And so God created woman, gave woman to man, and that is how community began. But we know that this blissful relationship was interfered with when sin came into the world. And when that sin came, that is what now we call the depravity of man. Man fell from that position in which they were meant to be. And that relationship that was so harmonious was then destroyed. And due to this depravity, then we enter into relationships and we end up hurting others or we allow that hurt to get to others. If it will help me to achieve my goal, 
to gratify my ego, to satisfy some desire that I have. Think about it. When, when God came and asked Adam, you know, what's the matter? What did the guy say? Is that woman you? You gave me. He was looking out for himself, self-protection, self-preservation. Yeah? And that is what is going on even today. In whatever relationship you find yourself in, we want to preserve ourselves. We are covering ourselves with fig leaves and we are saying, it wasn't me. I know you guys listen to that song. <laughs> it wasn't me. Right? So we want to preserve ourselves. Is there a remedy? Is there a remedy? Yes, there is. God sent his son to die on the cross, even for relationships. Because God created relationships for his glory, to reflect that trinity, that oneness. That is what God intended, that when we relate with one another, and that's why he says in Psalm 133, that when he sees unity, he commands a blessing because we are reflecting the glory of the unity that is there in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So God sent his son to restore. And so we are going to read from Colossians chapter 3. That will be what will guide us as we go through this uh, discussion of just restoring relationships. So I'll read first of all from verse 1 to 4. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. So I'll read. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. So the moment we accept Christ, when we identify with his burial, with his death, burial, resurrection, and his ascension, we move from a place where we are spiritually fallen to a place where we are spiritually seated. Spiritually seated with Christ. Positionally, that is where we are at the right hand of the Father. Now, the moment you get saved, it doesn't mean that you are translated from earth and you go and sit in heaven. You're still here. But spiritually, that is where you are the moment you receive Christ as Lord and Savior. You are translated. Your spiritual position is not fallen, but you are seated with Christ. And when you are seated with Christ, what this means is that, yes, your feet are on earth, but what the scripture says, set your mind on things above. So even how you do relationships, you get your command, you get your directions from God himself. Because that is where you're seated. That is your headquarters. That is where you get your marching orders. And that is how you do relationships. From what Christ tells you and how he guides you in what you are meant to do. Now, how does this then practically apply in the area of restoring relationships. Okay, I hope we have our Bibles. So we are in Colossians chapter 3. We will just use that text. I think you can either swipe it or turn it. <laughs> so we're in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians is in the New Testament. 
tupo, because if you don't have your Bible, you will find it hard to follow. Are we there? So Colossians chapter 3, now we are at verse 5, okay? So we're reading verse 5 to 9. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Remember now what we talked about. Seated in Christ in heavenly places, and now we're talking about how it operates in the world we live in. Put to, to put to death, yeah, the members which are on earth, and it lists some things for us. These are the things you're putting to death. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. It tells us, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now, you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on this new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcision nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So when we look at that scripture, we can see some of the things that we who are on earth are prone to experience, are prone to go through. We're not immune because we became Christians. And I think the work of being a Christian is actually an active faith. It is not a faith where you just believe and things happen to you. It uses active words like put off. Kutoa, isn't it? You can't toa this lead without using some effort, isn't it? So when we talk about relationships, okay, what Tony said, these can also be renewed in Christ. So let's look at some of the things that come to us and cause us as believers who have now been born again to experience this newness and some of the areas where that pain has happened to us, okay? Okay, let's look at the verse 5. Verse 5 talks about sexual immorality. Sex was created for marriage, and that's just a fact. Sex is beautiful in marriage, but the sad reality is sex has been used to hurt. Sex has been used as a weapon. Sex has been used to destroy. And because of that, we have people who walk around with so much pain. Sleep with me if you love me. Show me how much you love me. And I leave you and I go to the next person. Pornography. It has destroyed what we learned last week. The temple of God has been used for lust, for self-gratification. You look at a man and you cannot see him for who God has made him to be. For the purposes that God has in that young man's life. You look at a woman and she's an object. You no longer see her as a person who God created to use for his glory. That's what it means when we are not walking in the right ways. And that's what happens when we are in our place in our relationships. Evil desires, that's what the Bible tells us. It talks about a strong passion to have illicit sex. It talks about lustful thoughts. It talks about crude jokes. 
It talks about distorting the dignity of men and women. And those are the hearts we carry. And those are the pains we have. Instead of using sex for what it was intended to be, a gift for a married couple, we've used it to hurt others. We've used it for our own selfish gain. It's not based on others focused. We use it for personal gratification. It is not confined in a permanent and loving commitment for the other's good. And that causes a lot of pain in relationships. And I think God in his wisdom says, when now you are new in Christ, put off. See people for who God made them to be. Put it off. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, all those perverted sexual activity. Put it off. And let's continue in verse 8. It talks about our attitudes, our speech. It talks about anger. You know, how angry are you when you're dumped? How angry are you when you're treated unfairly at your workplace? How angry are you when you're overlooked by a friend? When nobody notices how you dressed today? When nobody greeted you as we walked in? Those are wounds you're carrying deep within you. And you bring them to whatever relationship you have. And look at the progress. It goes from anger to wrath. That is rage. Have you ever by mistake stepped on somebody's and the things that come out, you know, what comes out of that person's mouth? Overlap kidogo, those of you who drive, you can be short in these streets of Nairobi because of the anger that we have. And we are being taught to put it off. Then it goes to malice. You know, in law, malice is one of the elements for murder. Okay? For us to say this person has been murdered, we don't just look at a dead body and a bloody knife, okay? We look at something called malice aforethought. Malice shows us that the intention, so that we are not saying it was in self-defense, isn't it? We are not saying it was accidental. We are saying you are malicious in your intent. That you actually had this anger and animosity towards this person that you did it. How many of us walk with that malice based on our previous hurts, based on our previous experiences that we can actually kill? Do we read the papers? Do we watch the news? Do we follow the trends? Those are hurting people. Hurting people hurt others. Wounded people wound others. And that's where we are being encouraged, put off that anger of that wrath. It progresses to malice. And now you are intentional about deliberately hurting others. You get into a relationship because you want to put this person down. Not because you love them and not because you are a Christian who wants to show compassion and kindness and goodness and, and just build people up, but because you are in it for yourself. So put off. And it continues to teach us about filthy language and slander. You know, how many of us have been talked down upon by our parents? You'll never amount to anything. Those are hurting people who are hurting others. By your teachers. 
you'll never do anything meaningful. Those are the words that we carry and they define us when we get into relationships. And we are being encouraged this day, put those things off. You are not what those people tell you. You are who God says you are. Those words were spoken by a person who was not in a right relationship, who was not in a relationship with Christ that he understood or she understood their place. And when they spoke, they spoke in anger, they spoke in rage, and they spoke to pull you down, hoping that in putting you down, they themselves will be elevated. It doesn't work that way. Words are spirit, and they can cause emotional hurts. I think emotional hurts sometimes go deeper than physical hurts. The beating, I can see a scar. But emotional hurts, the words that you speak to me go deeper and live longer. And I think that's why God says he comes to replace that. So that he feels that and puts in you what is true and what will give you life and not produce death and get into that vicious cycle where now you hurt others because you've been hurt and they hurt others. He wants to put a stop to that. And hence he says, put off, put off, okay? You who've been abused, sexually abused, physically abused, men are dogs. You get into a relationship with that attitude. Women are just gold diggers. Where do those words come from? From the things you've experienced. And you're not capable of connecting with anybody. Even in a filial relationship. We've had brothers and sisters who fight. Brothers and sisters who cannot see eye to eye. Is this happening around you? Because of those things that are deep within our hearts. And we are being encouraged to put off. Then he talks about, we look at verse 9. He talks about lies. Ah, there are levels of lies, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? There's a kidogo lie, there's a bigger lie, isn't it? There's a black lie, a white lie, I don't know. Is there a red lie? I don't know. But there are all sorts of lies, eh? Half truths. You're in a mat. I'm on the way. You know? Kuna jam. I'm not telling you, the one who left home late. I'm just here. I can see you are still at my gate living. You know, those are lies, isn't it? You know, we tell half-truths. We cover up for people, isn't it? We practice hypocrisy. We want to look more spiritual than we really are. We evade. We change topics. We say something that is untrue to avoid hurting others. Those are lies. You've been lied to, and you've lied to others. And you know what that causes? It causes trust issues in relationships. I can't believe anything he tells me because of what I know has happened to me. And you know when there are masks, like now we are masked, we understand what masks do. I can never get into a proper relationship with him because he's not vulnerable, and I'm not vulnerable. To my brothers, to my sisters, to my parents, I can never get into that close relationship with them because I don't trust them. And they can't trust me. That prevents us getting into that closeness and that intimacy where we are naked, where we are not ashamed. Where we are able to speak and to pray for one another. 
where we are able to bond and become a family under God because of those lies. So may we work on some of those things. And I love what the Bible says. It says put off, put to death. It means be radical about dealing with some of these things. For us to have wholesome relationships, some things depend on you. Not on someone else. They depend on you. Paul reminds us as these old attitudes attract God's wrath. And they are not corresponding to your new life in Christ. It is important that this new self be renewed in the knowledge and in the image of God. Our minds need to be renewed. How we relate needs to be renewed. How we understand ourselves needs to be renewed. Right, now we've put off. Now the danger of putting off is that you can remain naked. Right? So the Bible proceeds and tells us we need to now put on. And putting on is an act of the will. It's something you purpose to do. Today you woke up in the morning, you went to your wardrobe, you picked what you wanted to wear, and you deliberately chose that and you wore it. Even spiritually now, the word is telling us, now that you have put off these things, there's something you need to put on. So let's read from verse 11 to 14. We are still in Colossians 3. So from verse 11, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So as we are transitioning in what we are to put on, Paul underscores, first of all, the oneness that we have in Christ, where he mentioned the Greeks, you know, the barbarians and all that. Basically, he's saying, the moment you have a relationship with Christ, there are no these barriers, yeah? And in, in, in our context, we can say there is no one from Western, no one from Eastern, no one from Central, yeah? We are all one in Christ. There's no middle class, upper class, lower class, and somewhere in between those classes, yeah? All that is demolished, and we are all made one in Christ, when he looks at you, he sees a child of God. And that is how he wants us to begin to look at each other. All right? We then see that we are to put on some qualities that will help to promote and to help us have wholesome relationships. But before he goes to doing that, he gives us the motivation. Why should you bother putting on these things? You see, when once we accept Christ, God has extended his amazing grace to you and he has elected you. That is why he says, therefore, as God's chosen people. I want that to sink in, that God has actually looked around and he has chosen you. You know, ladies, let me tell you, when a man decides you are the one, 
There's like a feeling that comes. Naomi. Sindio. When Timo said, Niwewe. Amongst all the others. And Peter says, you are the one I have seen. That is what God is saying. I have seen and I have loved you and I have drawn you to myself with my loving kindness. Yeah? I have chosen you. Yeah? Then he says, you are holy. Means that he's setting you apart. You're not just anybody. Yeah? Holy, set apart for a special purpose. Dearly loved. You have a new identity. You move from just being so-and-so's son, so-and-so's daughter, so-and-so's uncle. Those are important, yes. But the most important thing is now who God says that you are. Chosen, dearly loved. He is so affectionate and mindful of you. You know, the Bible says he is mindful of you. He has numbered the hairs on your head. Some of us have more hair than others. Some of us, some is disappearing, so I've been subtracting. Yeah? Sorry? But he still loves me, nevertheless. And he has numbered what is left. <laughs> he loves you that much. He's so mindful of you. And when you begin to appreciate how much God loves you, that brings you to a place where you begin to then respond to his command. There's a place where Paul says the love of Christ compels us. When I think about what he has done for me, I am compelled, therefore, to love others. So in summary, what Paul is saying, that God's treatment of us is the basis of our treatment of others. God has chosen us in love to be set apart for himself. Even when we were not worthy of his love, you are lost. You are going your own way. Some of us say, I found Christ. No, 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 no. Christ found you. He leaves the 99 to seek after the one, which is you. He finds you, cleans you up, and then he says, you are mine, my beloved. Yeah? You are now worthy of his love. That gives you a sense of security, a sense of acceptance that you're valued, that you have this love that is beyond comprehension. Love that makes you now be able to treat others with the qualities that we will look at right now. So the first thing that he tells us to put on is compassion. And when, when you go through this, you'll see it's the opposite of what you're supposed to put off. Yeah? Compassion, now you move from thinking about me, thinking about what I will get out of a relationship, Compassion is when now you start to look at the needs of others and you respond with appropriate action. The moment you lack compassion, it means you are self-centered and you're just thinking about yourself. Think about the story of the Good Samaritan. There are those guys who came and passed because they were so self-absorbed in what they were going to do for that day, what was on their to-do list, but they never posed to help this man who was in pain. And that is what God is calling us to, to be filled with compassion. The Bible says when Jesus saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion. Not moved with, who can I date? Huh? Who can I date? You walk into 
Sunday service in Fontana's end, look at me, look at me. Yeah? It's not about look at me. Who can I bless today? Yeah? Who can I bless today? And Jesus said, when you give, it shall be given back to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. People use that scripture to talk about money, but it's not about money. It's about mercy and the kindness that you extend. And that brings us to kindness, meaning where you are free from harsh and rough treatment of others, where you're not bitter, you're not being demanding and pushy. You know, one can tell how kind you are when people fail you. When people fail you. Tukutane Java at one. He or she appears at two. Now, we are not saying you tolerate bad behavior, but how will you confront? Would you do it with a measure of kindness? Yeah? When people give you promises, your parents have promised you things, your uncles, your aunties have promised you things. The Bible says, put on kindness. It begins with you, by the way. You know, sometimes we come and we are, you are thinking, yeah, so-and-so should listen to this. My dad, I wish my dad was here. He's been so unkind. Have you shown kindness to your dad? Have you shown kindness to your brother, to your sister? It begins with you first. So kindness. Then it talks about humility. Put on humility. A humble person is somebody who is Christ-sufficient. Not self-sufficient. They have a proper evaluation of themselves. They don't think that they are indispensable. You know those men who think they are God's gift to all women? They walk around like, you know, I'm the man. That's not humility. Yeah? Humility is coming to a place where you're saying, I know who God has made me to be. I am confident in the giftings he has given me. And I will operate in that. And I will esteem others highly. I will celebrate them. You know, humility is seen when something has happened and, and, and there is success. And you're quick to give the credit. Rather than take it upon yourself and say, if it were not for me, nilijua tu, kama singekua kwa team, tungeanguka. But humility is saying, I am esteeming others. Not putting myself down, but quick to esteem others. And that is what you're supposed to bring into relationships. Constantly esteeming others and celebrating others. That way you move away from greed and wanting to be self-gratified. Talks about putting on gentleness and meekness. And, and this word is used uh, when, when we talk about uh, a horse. We know that a horse is very powerful. And that is why we talk of horsepower. A horse is very powerful. But once it is tamed, it is able to use that power for something that is useful. So you and I, we have a lot of power. There are, there's a lot of things that God has put in us. Now instead of using that to dominate others, use it for God's glory. And use it to defend others. Let me talk to the men now. Yeah? We are built in a way that says... We are, actually, no, the Bible actually says the woman is the weaker sex. Sometimes I dispute that scripture because when I see what my wife does, 
But anyway, the Bible says it. But we are meant to be defenders of our women. Whether they're your wife, your sister, your mom, whoever they are. You know, let me just give this example. My, my son, when they go to town with the mom, you know, we, we discovered later that the guy used to carry a pen knife. So when we asked him, why do you carry a pen knife? Then he says, I need to defend my mom. Yeah? But it's power under control. He will only use it when there's need be. Yeah? So let's use the strength that God has given us to protect. Okay? To cover, to shield. Yeah? In relationships, put gentleness, put meekness. Patience literally means being long-tempered, not having a short fuse. You're tolerant of the imperfections and the differences and the faults in others, and you give them room to grow. Don't be impatient with people. Yeah? Just because they're not able to do a few things, you know, you're saying, ah, you know, you're, you, I wonder whether you really make it, you know? Just get off the team, get off the family, you know? But the Bible tells us, put on patience. Patience, long-suffering. You will need it in relationships, definitely. Then he talks about bearing with one another. Bearing with one another just basically means accepting people for who they are because their personality is different. They're not doing anything sinful. Let me give an example. There are people who, when they want to eat their banana, they peel everything. You take a visa, then they throw the banana, then they start eating like that. Then there are those who like to peel gradually. Yeah? Now, whether they peel gradually or they remove the whole banana and eat it like that, doesn't have any eternal significance. Just bear with them. They like it that way. Maybe they want to see the full banana. You know? There are those who want to shower in the morning. Those who want to shower in the evening. Does the word of God say, thou shalt not shower in the morning? It doesn't say. So just bear with one another. If they like to whistle when they wake up early in the morning, bear with them. I know you have those people in your, in your families, and they irritate you to no end. Bear with them. Even the neighbor who likes to clear his throat in the morning, first thing, we have one in our estate. We can hear them from very far. And we just bless them. And we say, Lord, we are bearing with one another. Forgiveness. I think this one is big. Forgiveness is big. Not holding a grudge. Not harboring bitterness and being resentful towards those who have wronged you. And I know everyone here, you've been wronged by someone at some point. And the Bible is telling us, Make a decision to forgive. Not a feeling. Don't say, I don't feel like forgiving them. It's not a feeling. That feeling will never come. It is a willful decision you make and you say, I choose to forgive. I choose not to let this trouble me. I choose not to let this put me down. I choose to forgive. People say forgive and forget. Is it possible to forget? Realistically, it's not easy to forget but you can choose that every time that memory comes, you can commit it to God and say, Lord, I choose to release this. I have a scar on my hand here. 
If I was wearing a short sleeve, I would have shown you. That scar was inflicted on me by my English teacher. She pinched me with a biro, a big pen, in high school. I have the scar until now. You know? And at some point, I realized I needed to forgive this teacher. I needed to release. Because I was so bitter. How can he interfere with you know, all this that God has created <laughs> in his image and in his likeness? Putting a scar. But then I realized I have been, I'm seated with Christ spiritually. And the time is coming when the body will be transformed. And this tent of the earth shall be no more. Amen? Amen. So the scar will disappear. But I have forgiven her. Who are the people you need to forgive? Who are the people that you need to release? You remember the story that Jesus gave of the servant who was forgiven of a small debt. But then when he went to somebody else who owed them money, they couldn't forgive. And, and when you read the last part of that scripture, Jesus says, if you don't forgive, you will also be tormented. The same way this man is going to be tormented. When you harbor unforgiveness, bitterness, and all those things we had, wrath, anger, and malice, it is you who is being harmed. Joyce Meyer says you drink poison, hoping it will harm the other person. That is what unforgiveness does to you. Right? So forgiveness, yes, is difficult. It's a process. You have to identify what was done to harm me. If you can confront the person or you can lift it up to God in prayer and say, I release this. And whenever that thought comes, that incident comes to your mind, give it to God in prayer and ask him to just heal that heart. David shows us in the Psalms how we can just pour our hearts to God and allow him to heal us. You can even go to a, another extent and extend kindness to the same people who've hurt you. Remember Joseph? After he had gone through so much pain, he looked back and he said, you know what? You meant this for harm, but God meant it for good, and I forgive you guys. So let us learn to forgive. And Paul qualifies this and says, you have been forgiven by Christ yourself. With all your faults, with all the things you have done, he has forgiven you. Therefore, forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is what we are asked to do. Offer forgiveness. And then he concludes all this by saying, put on love. Love is pictured as the outer garment. That blazer that now you put on to cover everything else. It completes the outfit. It unites all these virtues. What that means is that you're not doing these things mechanically, but you're doing them out of love, out of concern. For the, you, you are seeking the best for the other person. And all these qualities, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, you will realize they are all covered there. Love covers a multitude of sins. These are qualities that you have to put off and put on consistently in your relationships. And that's why we began by mentioning where we come from. Because all these relationships, you must practice all these things. And it begins with you and me. The Bible is a mirror that reflects who we are. And once you see, you don't say, I need to share this with so and so. No, God is talking to you and he's saying, you put off, you put on this. And if you do your part, let God do his part. 
right? And therefore, we grow in Christ-likeness in our relationships. I always say the, the biggest discipleship class is a relationship. Any kind of relationship you find yourself in, that is a discipleship class that is moving you towards Christ-likeness. Okay, let's conclude. Um, let's look at verse 15. Are we there? And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to, Lord, to the Lord. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Isn't that how we want to be? A place of peace. Si kwangai kangaika, am I loved? Do I matter? Who am I? Who do I belong to? You are a place of peace where you know Christ died for you. Christ gave his life for you. You are his. And you belong to the new body of believers. That peace makes you make wise choices when it comes to your relationships. How you respond to your parents in obedience. How you work as an employee. How you are as a student. That peace makes you have a sober mind. That your words come out are not words that will tear down another. That's the peace that we long for in a relationship. That's the peace I know that eludes so many of us because of all the pain that we have had. But if Christ has done this work for us, and if Christ dwells in us, and we are actively putting on, that peace helps us to move on. And then look at how we talk. I mean, Eric sang here. We had a wonderful worship team here. You know, that's how we relate. Out of the overflow of our hearts will be songs, will be praise, will be true worshipers. We will love the one who gave his all, and we will love the people he loves. Our words will be different, because out of the overflow of your heart will not be pain, will not be malice, will not be careless words, will be words that affirm people, words that confirm the purposes and the plans of God in people, words of love. Nothing that will be spoken of you will be that guy. Don't go talk to that guy. That guy will just tear you down, Kapsa. Because who you have in you right now and your, your process of growth, the time you spend in prayer, the time you spend putting on, the time you spend growing makes you a completely different person. So let us grow. Let us not allow hurts and pain to keep us in that spot. Let us release these things. Let us put them off and let us embrace newness in Christ. Because it is us who will be the losers. Wrong has been done to us and wrong will continue to be done to us as long as we are in this earth. But what are you doing with the newness that you have in Christ? How are you choosing to walk? Who are you choosing to become? Knowing whose you belong to. Amen. So I just want us to stand, if you can get somebody on the keyboard, so we can have some time to pray. You're here first of all, and you don't know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
you are at a place where you're saying, I've heard about all this putting off and putting on, but how do I even start if I don't have a relationship with Christ? And you want to make that decision right now with all heads bowed down. I'll just ask if that is you, you want to enter into a newness of life, of relationship with Christ, just raise your hand, we'll see it and we'll pray with you. there's none but if you still want somebody to pray with you at the end perhaps you're feeling shy to lift up your hand we'll be here at the front and we can lead you to Christ you're here and you know you've heard the things that we are to put off and you're saying I am guilty of hurting others I have spoken malicious words I have acted out of anger I have acted out of you know malice and I have been spreading rumors about somebody that is tearing them down. You're here and you've used your sexuality in the wrong way. You've had sex with somebody and you know you realize it wasn't all that and you just dumped them. You have been selfish, thinking about yourself all along and you're saying, Lord, please forgive me. Let's just lift up our hands if that is you, if there's an area you're saying, I need the Lord to just help me to put this thing off once and for all. It's an addiction to pornography. You're saying, Lord, this has to end. I do not want to pervert that which you have given to us as being good. Father, you see these hands lifted up to you. Father, I pray that by your grace you will help us to make a decision to put off that which is hurting others in our relationships. Lord, we confess that from the time of Adam, that sin has come down to us, to where we are in our relationships. And we ask that, Lord, by your grace, may you help us to deal with these issues. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you sin, chop it off. What he meant is that we need to be radical and say, it has to end. And I pray that, Lord, even as we lift up our hands as a sign of surrender and giving it all to you, and we're saying, Lord, deal with this issue by your grace. You've told us in your word that it is you who works in us to will and to do according to your good purpose. So, Father, we ask, help us to put off this which is in our old, depraved nature that is causing us to hurt others in relationships. Now you're here and you've been hurt. And you're saying, as much as I want to forgive, I'm finding it so difficult. You're here and you're saying, Lord, I am feeling the pain. It is so painful what my mom spoke to me about, what my dad called me, what my boyfriend, my girlfriend said to me. It's hurting. You're here and you're in pain because of the relationships that are around you. You've been abused sexually, perhaps, and you're saying, Lord, how can I even begin to forgive? Just lift up your both hands in total surrender, in total surrender, and just say, Lord, I want to release. I don't want to carry this bitterness, this anger, this rage, this malice, in my heart anymore. 
Let's just lift up both hands if that is you in a sign of total surrender. You don't need to be ashamed. You're in the presence of God from whom you can't hide anything. He sees that pain anyway. No one will judge you, but you're making a decision to walk in wholeness. So just lift up both hands and say, Lord, I'm reaching out for your grace. Help me to forgive. Help me to release. Cleanse me of these painful things that are coming from the past. Things that were spoken about me. Father, I'm releasing them at this particular time. Give me the grace, Lord, to just say, it is done. When you died on the cross and you said, it is finished. Even that pain that you took was on my behalf. Lord, help me to forgive. And help me, Lord, that I will not wound others because of the wounds that I myself have received. But may the wounds and the scars that I carry be, a, be something that will use for your glory, for ministry. Out of my woundedness, I can be able to reach out and be a blessing to others. So Lord, this is our prayer. Remember that the Lord has said this, that he causes all things to work out for good to those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So I don't know what pain it is that you carry. Just know this. He's able to take that pain, that woundedness, and he's able to use it for his glory. You may not understand how or why it happened to you, but a life committed to God, God is able to take it and use every single experience for the glory of his name. Amen? Let's just celebrate the Lord and thank him for what he is doing in our lives. We bless the Lord. We bless the Lord. Amen and amen. I hand over the mic. I pray that you will take time to go through that chapter in Colossians. May you just see the beauty of what God intended for wholesome relationships. It's a good thing to meditate during Valentine's Day. Amen? Amen. Sir Gerald. Thank you. Thank you so much, dear missus. God bless you so much. That was just something. Wow. Let us give them another round of applause. Guys. Thank you. We are done. We are done, but we are not done. Remember, we are coming back in the afternoon for our iPhone Runners hangout. Please, remember to be mashuka. Yeah, and carry a snack for two. And now may the grace and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. See you in the afternoon.